and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fensky, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Russ Johannesson, CEO of Gluco. Russ, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you. Um, so can you basically, let's let's start at the beginning. You know, what what does your company do? What is Gluco and what does your company do? Sure. Um, today, Gluco is the largest diabetes-connected care platform in the world. We've got a device agnostic solution that we've deployed in over 7,500 hospitals, clinics, health systems across 28 countries in 21 different languages. And we've got over 1.3 million people with diabetes who are being actively managed through our platform. Um, what we provide okay. is really the only universal connector for people with diabetes and their care teams. So the clinics and the care teams, they can access all of the patient data in one place and they can get all the data analytics and insights that they need to be able to deliver highly personalized care and decision support for those, for those patients. So you mentioned that your, your technology is, is agnostic. Do you partner with the, you know, with other companies or uh, is this a seamless integration where they can just use your, your, uh, your offering regardless of what other technology they're using? Yeah, so for the, for the health systems and clinics and also for patients using our mobile app, um, when we say device agnostic, that means we've gone out and, and procured the device integration agreements with over 95% of the devices that are out there in the market to treat people with diabetes. Oh, yeah. So insulin pumps, CGMs, blood glucose meters, connected insulin pens, but also other biometric and wearable devices, your Fitbit, your Garmin's, but also connected blood pressure cuffs, connected weight scales, those kinds of things. And we, we have all of that data, regardless of which manufacturer, able to be viewed and shared inside the universal platform so that clinics and care teams can see a patient view, regardless of what combination of devices they're using. It's all integrated together into one view. And same with the patient. They can see that on their mobile app. And... You know, one of the, one of the things that I've heard, you know, as we as you know, we've we've most certainly entered a realm where where data is plentiful. Um, and you know, one of the one of the the flip side of that is that doctors and healthcare facilities are are basically saying, you know, with with Fitbit and with you know a lot of the monitoring devices and different different things, it, it's too much for them. It's it's overwhelming, and they don't need or they don't know how to make all of this data actionable. Are there, uh, you know, are they able to customize very specifically? what data they'd like to, to get and view for a patient or for, you know, a, a number of patients? Is there a customization capability? Yeah, absolutely, Sean. And I guess I would, I would describe it more as configuration than customization. They're able to have access to the deep, very deep, you know, longitudinal data, trending information, but they can also see the aggregated views and the specific insights that we push also that are actionable insights that really relate to the intersection of the data points that help mm -hmm. them have a better conversation with the patient when they see it's not just my blood glucose levels are doing this, but you can see what that means in, in coordination with what was your activity, what was your nutrition, what was your um, 
medication adherence, whether you're on insulin or on an oral medication, and see how those data points triangulate and see more of the insight that pops from that rather than having to dig through all the data. They can look at that at multiple levels, which is what makes the platform valuable for specialists like endocrinologists who want to dig into the deeper li- you know, deeper level of information, but also for primary care providers who don't have as much time to get into that piece of it. So we're able to um, provide that value at both ends of that scale. So are, is, the, is the patient able to input uh, things that a wearable or a, you know, a tracking device isn't able to necessarily track, such as, you know, when they are when they're eating what what types of food they're eating um sure. you know if they if they took a nap things like that where it may not be immediately apparent absolutely yeah they they can connect their activity tracking devices like a fitbit or a garmin to track steps and all of those other things but they can also manually input directly into our mobile app the activity the duration the type of activity etc and that will be also in the record and shared with the care team as well. They can do the same for nutrition. They can either connect another nutrition app that they may be using and have that data seamlessly synced into it, or we have a couple of ways of tracking nutrition inside the app. We have a very extensive food database. People can pick their items off of that menu, but we've also tried to make it as seamless as possible. So we've built in some easier to use tools like a barcode scanner. If you just scan it with the phone, it'll it'll input the carb intake from that food item. Uh, and it'll put it right in the record. Or we actually even have natural language processing where you can just hit the button and speak into the app and say, I had a cheeseburger, and it will pull that off the food database and input the appropriate wow. level of carbs and nutrition information for that. So we try to make it as easy as possible to gather that kind of information. Right, right. So this, so this goes beyond just just the the – uh, just directly with a, a patient who has diabetes, this, you know, this seems to, you know, that, that same patient is not only speaking to their doctor about diabetes, but might be speaking with a nutritionist about, you know, losing a few pounds or, you know, a dietitian, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe if, if there's even further, it sounds like it could be used for, you know, invo- involved in like a sleep study. Like it, it just seems like there's a lot of, uh, uh, branches that you know, maybe they were, you know, unoriz- not originally intended for, but it just seems like obviously the more data you get, the more that clinician would be able to pull from certain metrics. Absolutely, and that's one of the key reasons why, really, in the past year, year and a half, we've started to expand our focus to not be exclusive to diabetes. In the past mm-hmm. year, year and a half, we've we've started to improve our support for the adjacent comorbid conditions to diabetes, like hypertension and obesity. We're now doing some things getting into cardiovascular. Um, as, as you may know, you know, diabetes is, is a condition that has many, many comorbidities. I think the stat is something like 98% of people with type 2 diabetes have at least one other chronic condition, and 90% right. have two or more other conditions besides that. So the ability for a clinician to treat a person with diabetes, they really do have to understand the whole picture of the other things that are happening. So your point is spot on. The ability to have data coming in from all variety of sources, you know, not just diabetes devices, but, you know, a blood pressure cuff to look at your hypertension, et cetera, really is, is helpful for clinicians and care teams 
to make better treatment recommendations, but also for patients themselves to be able to understand the dynamics of what's happening for mm-hmm. the self-management side of it. Right. And, you know, obviously we've gone through a, a, a worldwide pandemic and a situation where, you know, remote healthcare capabilities were, were you know, shown just how vital and critical they, they may be uh, and, and will likely continue to, to do so going forward. So not just, you know, continuous monitoring, but just being able to keep in touch with a clinician and, and allowing a, a clinician to, uh, you know, keep tabs on, on certain patients who have, uh, you know, conditions that require a, a little more uh, monitoring or, you know, need that alert of, you know, hey, check in on this patient or follow up on this or, you know, et cetera. Um, you know, what, what, did you learn or what did uh, Gluco learn about, you know, the company, your technology, uh, you know, what, what needs there are as a result of the pandemic? Sure. Well, we've had remote patient monitoring and remote care management capabilities built into the platform for years, years before the pandemic hit for patients to be able to share their data remotely with their care teams. And historically before the pandemic, it was really, intended to be support of sharing the data in advance of a visit that was going to happen in person in clinic. Mm-hmm. When the pandemic hit, <clears throat> of course, um, all of the regular outpatient in-clinic face-to-face visits for people being treated with a condition like diabetes, they, they kind of shut down. They went to zero. And the first thing right. that we did was um, decide that it, it made sense for us to offer our core remote care management capability and solution free globally to any health system, hospital, or clinic anywhere in the world that wanted to use it, just to be able Uh to support their patients not having to come in to see the clinician, but still be able to be managed virtually in between until we get back to to visits. Because while while people with diabetes aren't more susceptible to catching COVID-19, if they do get it, the complications can be much, much worse. And so we felt it was important to do that. It, it was very well received. We had have had over 250 health systems, hospitals, and clinics around the world take us up on that free offer. They are still leveraging that part of our platform for free today. At some point, when the pandemic is, you know, in some way, shape, or form resolved, we'll we'll probably <clears throat> work to try to get those folks to become, you know, paying customers. But uh, at this right. point, we felt it was really important to do that, and it's been very well received. What we have seen through the course of 2020, in particular, when the pandemic, you know, before, because some visits have started to occur, people are starting to go back to some in-person visits. But, you know, during 2020, we captured millions of data points that really virtually that brought our our real-world data base to over 35 billion data points and continues to grow. It is the largest real-world evidence database for, for diabetes. And what we saw was when the clinics shut down, um, our uploads or sharing of data from home increased instantly by about 36%. And they remained high and continued to remain high even as the clinics have reopened. And throughout the pandemic, I think with the ability to share that data and stay connected to clinicians, we saw, at least across our large patient base, um, you know, they were able to show lower daily blood glucose levels both immediately after the outbreak and even five months later, um, and they remained, in some cases, many cases, lower than pre-COVID-19 levels. 
Um, mm-hmm. Our users' glucose readings were sort of within range, within the recommended range, over 50% of the time, despite the fact that they weren't able to see their clinicians face-to-face. Blood glucose levels were decreasing. And that remote care, you know, really provides the clinics and the patients with the insights that they need to be able to collaborate and manage the condition despite the inability to be face-to-face. And what we will see and continue to see is that, you know, self-monitoring of blood glucose levels continues to be associated with decreases in mean blood glucose levels and the ability to share that data remotely in between visits or in replacement of in-person visits is something that has helped at least our population maintain their their good control over their diabetes throughout the pandemic. And we're excited about that. We think the new normal will include a much, much higher level of remote visits than obviously was happening pre-pandemic because the barriers to adoption of really remote care in, in many conditions, in many areas, but in particular in diabetes, both on the clinician side and on the patient side, those have really kind of broken down throughout this Right. And it, and it's it's fantastic news to hear because, you know, I know in speaking with my own, you know, physician, just, you know, I did a telehealth checkup for my annual physical and, um, you know, while it was lacking due to the lack of the ability to transmit, you know, vitals, um, one of the things he did say, though, is that, you know, uh, weight is something they've definitely seen on the rise uh, through the pandemic. You know, people are home, they're snacking a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it sounds like with diabetes patients, based on some of the data that you got, they got, you know, they were a little more serious about things and, and maybe a little more stringent on on watching that and, and making sure that they weren't veering too far off course, um, which is fantastic to hear because obviously, you know, somebody who's not diabetic puts on 5, 10 pounds. It's not great, but it's mm-hmm. not as... Uh, it's not as much of a problem as it might be for somebody with diabetes. Um, so for it should sure. be here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> one thing the pandemic has done is I think continued to shine the light on the cognitive load and the emotional load that people who are living with a chronic, serious chronic condition have, and they don't, um, they don't have the luxury of taking a break because, you know, the world shuts down. They've got to continue to right. manage their condition on a regular basis. And um, we're just excited to be able to provide some of the tools that can help them do that um, in an easier way. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, you know, you talked a little bit about some of the, some of the areas you are exploring, some of the, some of the new uh, conditions that you're looking to uh, provide, uh, you know, data on and information on. Um, Is there anything that you're targeting that you haven't, you know, is, is it, you know, you, you mentioned comorbidities to uh, to diabetes. Does it go beyond that? You know, for example, you know, you just said how much how much data you were able to collect during the during the pandemic. Was there uh, uh, any sort of metrics or any sort of equation that kind of measured to something like you know mental health or something that was maybe outside of the realm of what you were even looking at? where, you know, you saw some things that you said, hey, you know what, when people were a little bit more down or, you know, anything like that, was there anything a little more off the beaten path that you didn't expect that maybe you saw or that you're working towards? 
You know, um, I would say we didn't necessarily, to be fully honest, see that in the data that came through in the pandemic um, Mm -hmm. specifically, because frankly, we weren't tracking and measuring to that. But I will say this, um, you know, depression, anxiety, mental health issues um, are definitely one of the comorbid conditions pretty directly related to people with diabetes. There's a very high overlap there. And that is definitely Mm -hmm. an area that is on our list for um, you know, both collaboration in the short term, but also potentially integration into our platform going forward because a clinician's ability to help um, a, a chronic patient with diabetes manage and maintain good health and, and manage their diabetes, you know, a lot of it depends on their engagement and their ability to manage through things like, you know, um, you know, mental health conditions and depression, anxiety, things like that. So it is definitely on our roadmap. But if you think about where we're taking, you know, and expanding our focus in our business, absolutely the expansion into those um, adjacent comorbid conditions is something the market has been asking us for for a while, and we're, we've been kind of executing against and delivering in a bigger way, and we'll continue to do that. But there's there's really three other areas that we um, are focused on from an expansion perspective. One, we continue to expand sort of our value and the features that we deliver for our clinical and pharmaceutical and clinical research partners. That's one area. Another area is we continue to expand into new markets um, with our support for um, not just providers and 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 pharma and medical device, but we're expanding our focus in, in health plans and self-insured employers, in particular in the U.S. market. That's something we've done a little bit of in the past, but we're we're advancing a little more aggressively into this year. Mm-hmm. And then we're also continuing to expand geographically. I mean, we're in 28 countries today, you know, he- heavily, um, you know, U.S., Canada, across Europe, a little bit in the Middle East, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. But there are some very large geographies around the world with a high prevalence of chronic conditions, including diabetes, that we are looking to get into with some partners. I think Latin America, China, Japan, um, right. you know, India, big markets that are out there, we can have an impact that are on the on the horizon out the next couple of years. Fantastic. So, what is what would you say the timeline is on this? Is this you know are are some of these areas a couple of years out, or are we looking at what your plan is for maybe five to ten years? How how does that fit in the timeline? Yeah, I mean, uh, five to ten years feels like a really long way out there. I <laughs> I personally feel very strongly that the next literally 18 to 24 months are going to be a very defining time in the market for chronic condition management and connected care, but also specifically for, for Gluco as a company. We feel like we are uniquely positioned to improve the health and the quality of life for people living with chronic conditions like diabetes around the world. And we're expanding our ability to help them improve their health outcomes, but also to reduce that cognitive and emotional load that is on both the patients, but also the people that care for them. In addition, everything we're doing because we deliver such great health outcomes reduces medical expense. And in many ways, we're empowering clinical research that ultimately leads to new and better treatments and therapies. And so um, we're looking really much more at the next, you know, one to two years and it's having a major Mm -hmm. impact. So we're going after these, expansion opportunities very aggressively, both organically through what we're building out, but we're also aggressively um, working on an inorganic strategy with a couple of potential acquisitions coming in the next year. Um, 
in five years, you know, <laughs> I think we'll be the global leader in helping people and clinicians manage chronic conditions, not just for diabetes, but across all all conditions. That's that's where we're heading. Wow, That'll, that's I mean a lot of exciting things uh, coming up, and and best of luck to you. Um, but unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of MedTech Matters. I'd like to thank my guest, Russ Johannesson, CEO of Gluco, for sharing all these insights about his company and what he's doing uh, with diabetes and, and beyond, obviously. Um, and as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. So until next time, this has been Sean Fensky, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, saying thanks for listening. Thank you.